Hi, and welcome to this episode of I've Got This Kid. I'm your host, Sharina Williams, licensed speech and language pathologist, proud homeschooling mom of two, wife of one, always just ecstatic to be here for another day. We are going to cover everything, speech, language, play, development, homeschooling, and all that other stuff that falls in between. Why? Because I'm the fun therapist. I love doing this stuff and I love bringing you guys things that may seem a little bit taboo or a little bit, I don't know, difficult to understand or a little bit out of reach to the mainstream so we can all be tooled up so we can be better together. Again, I'm elated to be here with you guys another day. Guys, listen up. We have continued to grow like wildfire. Continue to share, continue to like. If you're not part of my online community, what have you been doing? Where have you been? You can find me on Facebook at Sharina Williams, CCCSLP, or you can find me on Instagram at I've Got This Kid underscore podcast or Sharina Williams SLP. There, you'll find me doing all kinds of silly stuff, homeschooling with the kids. You might find some knowledge for the week, some did you know stuff, some stuff that you may not have even known. And so I want you guys to come and be a part of that community. Also, if you have not downloaded a copy of my free, and I mean absolutely free, no money, no charge, no cost to you at all, ebook, Maintaining a Healthy You. What have you been doing? What have you been waiting for? Again, we're here together to get tooled up, to be better together, to be better as a community. You can find that at iHeartSpeechTherapy.com. And that's all of my announcements for today. I am ready to get right into things because we are in the What Is It series. And I put the emphasis on the What Is It just because it's fun. (laughs) It makes me laugh. (laughs) And because some of these things, when you think about it, something like you have no idea about, you're like, what is that? What is that? What is it? And so that is the purpose of the emphasis on the what is it? Like, what is this stuff that you're talking about? So we've covered what is stuttering? What are speech sound disorders? And today we're going to continue to keep that ball rolling, talking about what is apraxia of speech. Specifically, though, what is childhood apraxia of speech, which is a fancy way of saying disorganized, uncoordinated muscle movement. And let me tell you guys out there, apraxia, it's a tricky little friend. It's a, it's a tricky little beast because upon first glance, it looks just like a speech sound disorder or a speech sound dis- delay if it's before the age of three. And if you listen to speech sound delay versus speech sound disorder on the what is it, then you'll know that there is definitely a difference between the two. But apraxia, it's a tricky, again, it's a tricky little mistress because it really does look like a speech sound disorder at first, but it's not. There's some elements that make it like clearly defined. It's its own world, its own lane. Clinicians, they devote their lives, some clinicians, not all clinicians, but some clinicians devote their lives to treating just this population, understanding this population, what it all means, how to help you world changers out there who have sugars, who have this diagnosis. And so I wanna make sure that you world changers, if you already have a sugar who has a diagnosis of apraxia 
or you're like, hey, my sugar's not meeting milestones. What could it possibly be? Is this something that we can rule in or rule out just based on the stuff that I'm seeing? Or my little sugar is getting treated and it doesn't seem like the treatment is quite making the progress that I want. Could it be something else or just help me out, right? Help me out. Help me know what is this all about? And so I want to cover this topic because again, it's a tricky little mistress and we want to be tooled up and know what it looks like and what it means. And so here are some signs of apraxia, AKA disorganized muscle movement. It doesn't always show up the same way with the same word every single time. And so when you think about muscle movement, right, your brain produces muscle. And yes, this is an inner geek moment. Like this is an inner nerd moment. So cope with me. Just just bear with me. Right. So your brain produces these sounds, right? And sometimes what happens is that the brain knows exactly what it wants to say and how it wants to say it. But by the time it gets to the articulators, something completely different comes out. And that's where the variation comes in. And so you might have the word, and you guys know, my favorite example is the word cat. I don't know why I like that word so much because cat is not even my preferred animal. Dogs are. But anyway, (laughs) it's, it's always the word that I first think about. So let's consider the word cat. And a sugar with who we would suspect has apraxia might do something like cat. Or the next time they might say tack. Or the next time they might say at. And so these variations of the same word continue to take place. That is a telltale sign of apraxia. When you're hearing one word produce a bunch of different ways. And so this is unlike a speech sound disorder because a speech sound disorder, it's pretty consistent. There's usually a pattern involved and we call those processes like phonological processes and that all, that's a little bit too technical. I'm not going to even go there, but it's usually the same. So just know like the big difference between a speech sound disorder, if you're wondering, and apraxia is that with apraxia, there's going to be a lot of variation in the same word or with the same word. Whereas on the other hand, with a speech sound disorder, if it's cat for cat, then it's going to be cat for cat every single time until it's treated. Another telltale sign, stress ends up on the wrong syllable of the word. So let's take the word mama. And instead of it being mama, and we know the stress goes on the ah, ma, ah, ah, that's where the stress happens. So maybe instead of the stress being on the ah, it ends up on the mm, mm, uh, mm. And that's what kind of gets us into the next feature or sign of apraxia. During those moments, if you notice my delays, those are called gropes and not like the physical grope where you use your hand, but like an actual grope with your mouth because a grope is simply like you trying to grasp something or obtain something. And so this can also happen with your mouth. When the brain tells your lips and your tongue and your teeth and your heart palate and your soft palate to, hey, let's get together, let's say these words, it can grope at it. It can try to attain these sounds and that's simply a grope. Like it can't do it. It tries to get it, but it doesn't quite work out. Another sign is that the sounds are distorted or or changed into another sound 
or the emphasis is placed in a weird way. So let's go back to that word cat instead of it being cat or cat or at maybe it becomes cat or at or at. And you're like, that has nothing to do with the actual word that I'm looking for you to say. And so a lot of confusion between little sugar and mom and dad and other people who are listening and trying to communicate with sugar take place because they're like, I don't even know what you're saying. You're telling me et and you're pointing to the cat and that has nothing to do with that. I don't even know what you're trying to tell me, right? For these sugars, shorter words are usually easier to produce because a lot of times the sound that you put together in the shorter words, it's closed and so it's easy to attain. Whereas when it becomes longer and more complex, it becomes more difficult, but it can also still happen with smaller words. And we also see these sugars having difficulties imitating sounds. And so when sugars are little, you guys all know, motherese, that little goo goo gaga baby voice or the way that we use our pitch, you're so sweet, you're so cute. We have different pitches and inflections when we're talking to our little sugars and it's more sing-songy. And the reason that it's more sing-songy is because it's more appealing to our sugars and they respond and they react to it in a way to where they start to want to imitate and pick up on what we're saying, which is why we automatically do it. Even guys, even the fellas, they do it too. <laughs> and so when you're doing that vocal play and you're ah, nah, 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 and you hear a little sugar ah, nah, 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 and you're going back and forth doing that, they might not be able to do that even as they get a little bit older, because we now know by 12 months, they should have, everybody should be saying one word. And by 18 months, everybody, you guys listening should be saying 10 words. And by 24 months, how many words should our sugars have? Come on, 50 words. I hope you guys listen to the milestone series because you guys by now should be masters at this stuff. But anyway, I digress. They may have difficulties when it's time to start imitating words and imitating sounds. And when you're asking them to say things, they might not be able to say it. And it's not because they're being mean and not because they're being disrespectful and not because they're being stubborn. It's because they simply cannot do it. Or when they try to do it, it turns out much different. And in a lot of these cases, when it turns out and keeps turning out much different, guess what sugar does? They don't want to do it anymore. If you keep trying the same thing over and over and over and it keeps not working out and nobody's picking up on what's going on at no fault of your own world changers at no fault of your own. Cause at this point you haven't seen a speech therapist yet. So it's at no fault of your own, <laughs> but it, it becomes frustrating for them because they feel like they're trying and not getting the support that they need. And again, the final thing that they do, and I've kind of alluded to this a little bit is that the sound order gets mixed up in the words. And so when we were talking about, you know, cat, the word cat, if we go back to it, we can see the word order change up to maybe tack or act or something along those lines. And maybe at one point it was cat and then it became something else. And so these are our true signs that a sugar might have a diagnosis of apraxia, which makes it much different than speech sound disorder. Again, because speech sound disorders are usually pretty consistent. Like you can write down the way sugar is saying the word with a speech sound disorder and expect every single time thereafter for the word to sound like that. With apraxia, you'll have the same word and different variations. And so that's super, super important to know 
that again, when we're talking about apraxia, it's disorganized, uncoordinated muscles. And so it makes perfect sense why the sounds would get disorganized and uncoordinated because this is a diagnosis that definitely has these features attached to it. And so at this point, you might be asking, Sharina, why do sugars have apraxia? What goes on? Like, is it because some parent did something they weren't supposed to? Is it they're wired differently? Is it because what is it? Like, what's going on? Can they grow into it? Can they grow out of it? Honestly, this is what we know. Unlike speech sound disorders, there's no known cause that we can link directly to apraxia. There's no known cause. What we do know is that it is possibly or potentially and potential. That's something that hasn't quite been realized. It could be or could not be. We just don't know. So possibly potentially genetics or possibly potentially brain wiring. That's all we know. That's simply all we know about this diagnosis. And we do know that it can happen as a result of brain injury. If something happens and shakes up the brain a little bit, if the brain gets an owie, and, and yes, brains do get owies, they're called strokes and hemorrhages and uh, different kinds of things like that, or blunt force trauma. So that's a brain owie. So we do know that people can get apraxia, including sugars. I've had a few sugars who've had a brain injury or something that it was involved that ended up causing them to have the unorganized or disorganized coordinated, uncoordinated movements, but adults can get it as well. What we do know is that the brain knows what it wants to say. Hands down, confirmed cases in apraxia with a diagnosis, the brain knows exactly what it wants to say. And the brain transmits the message. And when the brain transmits the message from the language area on that left side of your brain, for whatever reason, when it gets to the front, where we are looking at the front of the brain, the articulators, when it's sending that message down, there's something about the coordination between the front of the brain and the articulators. Again, the lips, the tongue, the teeth, the hard palate and the soft palate. And here's the kicker. Intellectually, there's nothing wrong with sugars who have apraxia. They are dead on with their same age peers with the understanding of language not with the expressive language. And it makes total sense, right? Because if you cannot coordinate your speech sounds, then it's gonna be difficult to acquire the expressive language piece or your vocabulary. But if you look at their understanding of language, usually these kiddos are either spot on or actually in a lot of cases ahead of the game. So it has nothing to do with intellect. It has to do with their limited speech sound repertoire. They just don't have a lot of it. So this can be really confusing for sugars, right? Because you have to think about it. If you have this sugar who can't quite coordinate their sounds and their words and their brain knows what it wants to say because they've been watching Amazing You and you've been giving them an amazing model of what language is supposed to look like. And every time they try to say it, something comes back. Guess what happens? They're providing themselves that feedback. And if the feedback is consistently wrong, it totally confuses things for them. And so it ends up becoming... A, a problem with the auditory feedback, which can in return, again, impact their vocabulary growth. And later down the line, it can impact their reading, their spelling, 
in their writing because the feedback is not coming in the way that it's supposed to come in. And so I want to rewind back a little bit because I know this topic is super heavy. It's super heavy, but it's not that bad. I'm hoping it's not that bad, but it's heavy and it's important for us to know so we can be told up so we can understand these differences for our sugars and be able to recognize like what is going on and what does all this stuff mean? Or again, if you have a sugar who has this diagnosis, what does this stuff really mean outside of the diagnosis, right? So we see in our little sugars when they're little babies, that their vocal play is really limited and it goes back to the imitating. And we know that our little babies have difficulties sucking, swallowing, and chewing. Why? Because those are all things that we do coordinating our muscles together. Again, the messages are transmitted from the brain and then to the articulators. And it's just difficult for them to do that because again, the muscle movements are not going together. And then you, you think about it like, If you're looking at like a clumsy walker or a clumsy runner or a clumsy kiddo, again, those are all movements, right? The big movements, you're walking. And if you move your arm back and forth, like you're lifting weights, those are your gross motor movements. Those are the big movements. But those little movements like chewing and sucking and swallowing and talking, those are fine motor movements. Those are, when we're writing, that's another fine motor movement. And those movements we take for granted, the ones of those of us who know how to use it because it comes easy to us. But for sugars who have difficulties coordinating those movements, it's really hard. It's so hard for them. And so we see in our little babies that they have difficulties with that coordination piece. We also see, again, sugars are not quite consistent with picking up new sounds or the sounds are limited or they make the sound and you may not hear it again, but you do hear sugars using gestures and you do hear sugars using vocalizations and that's sounds that come from the ah, 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 from the throat. And you also hear them using vowels, e, ah, oh, e, 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 i, 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 i. And the reason that you hear those is because it doesn't require the cooperation of everything else that they need to produce the sounds. And so it's almost like they get a little bit stuck when it's time to move past those those vocalic sounds. That's what we call them because they're the vowel sounds that come from the throat. And, And they get a little bit stuck and delayed because they can't quite get the consonants out. Puh, buh, mm, duh, tuh, those sounds where it requires a lot more, especially when it's time to put them together. Or again, it becomes my favorite word for when talking about apraxia, inconsistent. It just becomes inconsistent. And so I alluded to this earlier, this this little tip that adults can also have apraxia and they can have it for two different reasons. For them, it was either The apraxia of speech was never resolved as a child. So yes, it's another thing that you cannot grow out of. Like you cannot grow out of this thing. It's something that has to be remediated and treated by a licensed speech and language pathologist. The second reason that adults can have apraxia of speech is because of brain injury. If they get an owie to the brain, whether it is a stroke or um, an aneurysm or some blunt trauma after like a car accident or a hard fall. I've even um, seen patients who've fallen really hard off of bikes. 
and end up getting a brain injury or fall off a skateboard or motorcycle or something like that. Anytime you shake or rattle your brain, you put it at risk for having an owie. That's what I like to call them, adult owies on the brain. And so, yes, you can get apraxia from that because, again, based on the injury and based on where the injury is, if it shakes up a part of your brain, then as a result of that, you can get apraxia or sometimes other diagnosis that we're not going to talk about today. (laughs) And so if your sugar has apraxia, some potential outcomes, and and I think I've talked a little bit about this, but I want us to all take this one very seriously. We're going to take all this stuff very seriously because again, you know, we take our sugars to the doctor's to get their eyes checked if they need to get their eyes checked. And we take them to, you know, the vision specialist if they need glasses. And we take them to the dentist if they needed, you know, their teeth clean or the orthodontist if they needed braces. And so we're going to take these diagnoses just as serious because the outcomes for something like this can be so detrimental to their growth and their progress when in reality is just like any other diagnosis, it can be corrected. And so some of the things that can happen as a result of not treating apraxia is difficulty communicating with peers. And that's the obvious thing. If you're not coordinating sounds and you're not coordinating words, if sugar's not using words, then they're going to be using their body to communicate with you. And sugars don't like other sugars using their bodies to communicate with them. And adults don't like sugar using their bodies to communicate with them or using behavior to communicate with them because a lot of times it comes out of frustration, especially during the language boom, if they're not picking up words the way that they know they can and are capable of doing and the way that they see their same age peers using it. Another thing that can happen is a lot of repeating on the adult's part, asking sugar to say it again, asking sugar to repeat. The adult becomes frustrated because little sugar isn't saying it the way that they thought they should be saying it or they're not saying it, maybe they heard them say it once and then they can't hear it again. Or if sugar decides I'm tired of trying and they stop trying, then the adults can read that as sugars being stubborn or difficult or willful when again, that's not the case. They just cannot. And so I want you to show them a lot of grace during these times when you're unsure world changer, show them grace until you figure out a resolve. Another thing that can happen is reading and writing difficulties. And I talked a little bit about this earlier to where by the time they hit school age, if they're not getting the right feedback from themselves, then it can impact the way that they try to translate or transcribe or decode words in books, sounds and different reading materials, because it's difficult to decode if you haven't had the right feedback over and over and over again. And so it can make it hard for them to sound out words, hard for them to put sounds together. And this can impact them academically. And if you rewind back and think about what I said earlier, these sugars, especially during the toddler years, they're usually spot on with their other milestones as compared to same age peers. And so it becomes an accidental gap in their development because they, for whatever reason, didn't get the treatment or it was overlooked. And as a result of them not getting that treatment, they end up falling behind. 
and they didn't necessarily have to fall behind. But by the time they get to school and they've reinforced the wrong stuff over and over and over again, yeah, a gap can happen. And so we want to be really careful with that. Another thing that happens, and this one breaks my heart, I've seen this happen a few times in clinic and I had to debunk this for world changers out there is that the parent thinks that intellectually something is wrong with the sugar. And so they treat them differently as a result of thinking that intellectually they're delayed because they're not producing words or they're not producing sounds or they just don't take the time to figure it out because life gets hectic, life gets busy. Parents are working, whether you're working in front of a computer or physically going somewhere, like life becomes fast, life becomes difficult. It sometimes is hard to pick up on these differences, especially if you have no idea, right? And so you can't blame yourself, but it does happen to where some sugars, their intellectual abilities are questioned by family, which can impact their esteem and their confidence. And just, it can definitely have a nasty outcome and it's an accidental outcome because nobody really knew. And so I want you world changers to get help. This is why when we do these kind of series about any kind of diagnosis, any kind of disorder, any kind of anything, my first thing to you guys is always going to be, please reach out to a licensed speech and language pathologist. And there's a few different ways that you can go about doing this. And I think I'm going to just commit one show talking about avenues to get to a speech therapist, because this stuff is so important. And for so many years, you know, you world changers out there had either no idea we existed or had an idea that we existed because either you had a speech disorder or delay or somebody in the family does, or it's, it's something it's by experience, but this stuff needs to be just as mainstream as understanding chicken pox, as important as understanding the need for braces, as as important as understanding milestones. Like you world changers need to know this stuff inside and out because we can make sure that milestones are being met and that if sugar has a need, we're there. We're there to help. We're we're not a secret. (laughs) And we're here to make sure that we're getting you guys tooled up to where sugar can get to where they need to go and you can get the support you need to support little sugar. So I want you to go to asha.org if you need to find a speech and language pathologist. Also, remember at the start of the show, I said that there are specialists, there are people in this world who are licensed speech and language pathologists just like me, and they have devoted their life's work to understanding and creating tools for children who have a diagnosis of apraxia. If you go to northernspeech.com, Nancy Kaufman is the guru of apraxia. She literally devotes her career to developing and speaking on the materials that she's made. But again, this material that she makes needs to be led by a licensed speech and language pathologist. Her products are amazing and her information is amazing. And so I encourage you guys to check that out as well. And this is most important about apraxia of speech. In most cases, I rarely talk about the frequency or how often you need to be seen by a speech and language pathologist, because in most cases, the speech and language pathologist is going to determine the level of care, how often you need to be seen, the time rate or the duration that you need to be seen. And in this case, apraxia is completely different. All speech therapists will agree across the board that 
in order to effectively treat apraxia because you are working out muscles. You think about it as exercise, right? You're having to learn how to exercise your muscles that produce sounds that turn into words. It's just like if you were going on a um, an exercise kick and you decided, hey, I want to tone up. I want to get ready for the summer. Or I want to get ready for the spring or I just want to take better care of myself. You're not going to exercise once a week. You're talking about trying to retrain muscles to coordinate together consistently. And so like your body, if you were trying to, let's say, tone up, you're not going to tone up once a week for 20 or 30 minutes. You're not even going to try to do your toning exercises once a week for 60 minutes. You're going to need more frequency if you want results. Same with apraxia. You're going to want to be seen, your sugar to be seen at least three to five times a week, at least three to five times a week. And it'll be up to the speech therapist to determine how often and and for the time. And usually it's around 20 minute sessions for that. And again, we're looking at frequency, not just one time. And so I want you guys out there to make sure that if that diagnosis, if you've been given that diagnosis, then you're getting that kind of intensive treatment. And this is my other thing. Try to avoid asking sugar to repeat. You've heard me talk about repeating during this time because most world changes, if you don't understand what your sugar says, what do you say? Say it again, repeat it, say it after me, something along those lines. And I usually try to discourage you guys from asking sugar to repeat themselves, but this is a case to where you really want to avoid that because again, they physiologically may not be able to do that. And that is a confidence killer. If they can't fix their sounds and you're putting the pressure on them to fix their sounds, then that can mess with the esteem. And we don't want to do that. We always want to keep our sugars trying. And so we want to do our best to keep it as fun as possible. Also, if you don't go to ASHA.com, you can go to your local school district to see if they offer speech and language services and ask for a speech evaluation. Another area that you can go to, and I mentioned this last week, is local university They may have a speech clinic on site that's free um, or minimal cost to you or based on donations. Those spots usually fill up fast, but I would still check them out because they're pretty amazing places to get treated. I actually worked in one when I was in uh, grad school and and I think I did an okay job for, you know, 10 years ago and trying to learn. (laughs) Wait, I think it was longer than that now. Well, that's that's neither here nor there. And finally, you could get a referral from your pediatrician if you're going through your insurance. And I would call my insurance before going through the process of going to seek out my pediatrician because every medical insurance, private health insurance, public health insurance is different. They have their different rules. And so it's just best to do the work on the front end, find out, take the 20 or 30 minutes, then going through the process of going to all these appointments and finding out that it's not covered through your insurance. So please, 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 I beg you. Find out before going to your pediatrician and asking um, for a referral, because a lot of times they'll say, yeah, speech is covered. And then you're going to have to ask like the deeper questions. Well, like, is it speech because my sugar had a brain injury or something that they were born with? Or what are the parameters around that? It can get kind of slippery. So (laughs) that wraps things up, you guys. As always, you guys know, I have a magical time coming here and talking with you guys about this stuff and just getting us tooled up so we can slay parenting, so we can be amazing, so we can know this stuff, so we'll know not only what this stuff means, we can get educated, 
But then we can recalibrate and rethink about how we approach this stuff. And then we can advocate on our sugar's behalf. It is so important during these times for us to understand this stuff so we could go and be the best tool that we can for our sugars. And not only that, for ourselves. And so again, join my community. Go to www.iheartspeechtherapy.com. Catch up on past podcast episodes. Read a few blogs. It's talking about my perspective, experience, and all of that other good stuff. You never know what I'm going to talk about on those blogs, but I usually have a good time doing it. And if you just need some weekly motivation or some weekly tips, or you want to hear some reinforcements from these podcast episodes, please feel free to join my social media family. If you want to ask me questions directly there, go ahead and find me there. All of my information is in the show notes as far as additional information on uh, apraxia of speech that will also be in the show notes as well. Next week, we are going to talk about what is a voice disorder. And let me tell you guys, I had to blow off my book and really dig into it for voice disorders because I haven't seen it in a while. It's one of those things that comes second nature. And I was like, how do I communicate voice disorder to you guys? But I think I got it. I think we're going to have fun with it. And again, it's to get us better together so we can know and do and we can just connect, grow and learn together. So world changers, if you have questions, send me um, your questions at questions at I've got, I've got this kid.com. Otherwise, until the next time, y'all take care. <laughs>